King of the universe would come and visit us here and spend time with me. I am just a nobody. I was the dust of the earth, but his presence brings so much value to my life. And I'm just so thankful for him. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for my church family. And so if you'll stand, I'm going to move right along because you get to have a double whammy today. And I don't take responsibility how long my husband's going to take. So I'll try to be quick. If you'll turn to me to the book of Psalms, chapter 116. We're going to read from verse 12. It's really short. That's Psalms 116, verse 12. You got it. Say amen. 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 The psalmist says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? So I'm going to leave you with this question. That's it. Really short reading. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? Will you just raise your hands with me and just pray before we dig into the word that he would open up our hearts and our minds and our ears, that he would minister to me, Lord, that you, God, know the people that came into this room, into the sanctuary with needs and and desires to hear from you, I pray, Lord, that I would be a vessel you could flow through, that you could use me for your glory. But, Lord, speak your word into the hearts of these people here today. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. You may be seated. So is anybody else struggling to to shop for somebody? Anybody? Amen? Praise God. Um, My husband, I'm just going to throw him under the bus a minute (laughs) because it's a little fun. Um, he is so hard to buy for because here's what my husband does. We have Amazon Prime. Anyone heard of Amazon Prime? (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. And what he does is birthday, we have all of our birthdays and anniversary fall at the end of the year. So September, October, November. So it'll be that time of the year. And Karen goes out to Amazon. I'm going to buy my husband the best gift ever. And I look at his orders and he's done pre-ordered everything he could possibly want. It's just sitting there waiting for its arrival. And I sigh to myself and I think, why? There's only so many ties. (laughs) There's only so many socks you can buy a man. Can I get an amen from any of the men? And there's only so many shoes, well, probably not, (laughs) that you can buy someone. A new gadget, a new tie, a new shoe, pair of shoes, sometimes loses it's meaning. It doesn't have a whole lot of meaning behind it. Um, this becomes challenging even so as life, as you get older in life. You know, the, the people, my parents, they have everything they need, everything they could want. They have too much. They're giving away on a daily basis. You're unsure whether it's going to end up at Goodwill or re-gift it next Christmas. <clears throat> I, I, I feel some witnesses in here tonight, today. Um, And oftentimes, we force the issue, right? We're like, well, I feel the obligation to go get this person a present. So I'm just going to run out real quick and buy a bar of soap. Anyone? Right? So suddenly, we force the issue and buying things they don't really even need or even understand. As I'm getting ready to show you a video, sometimes my dad, I have to be careful he may listen to this, (laughs) but my dad and technology, right? Dad, get a smartphone. It's the best. It's going to help you. It's going to get you where you're going. It's going to help you stay on track. And so you don't need to speak German. Does anyone speak German in here today? Anyone? 
No, all right. Well, I'm going to show you a video here. <laughs> See? I don't know. Spanish. Um, but I'm going to show you a video. It's in German, but you do not have to understand it, or you don't have to understand German to, to get the point here. So if you'll cue that up here. Technology, right? <laughs> so we can't get audio. It's a real quick video. Um, and basically, she's asking her father, who she's in the kitchen with, <laughs> how did you like the new iPad I got you, Dad? And if you notice, he was chopping up. He was using it as a cutting board, and he goes over to the sink, and he rinses it out. Puts it in the dishwasher. <laughs> and she's just standing there like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> so, in other words, he got an iPad for Christmas, and he didn't understand what it was. He was using it for a cutting board and then putting it in the dishwasher. Are That's all right. Apps, comes to class? Oh, okay. What for apps? Give me a bit <laughs> anyone relate? Anyone relate, right? You're just like, what is this gift? I don't know what to do with it. And I thought that was so funny I had to share. So, you see, finding gifts that are appropriate <laughs> can be rather difficult at times. So this leads me into what I want to talk about today. What do you get someone who has everything? So will you imagine with me for just a moment that same dilemma but you're talking about the Lord God. You can hear the concern in the psalmist's voice in the, in the verse that we read. What shall I render, Lord? What can I give him for all of his benefits? What can I bring him? What can I get him for Christmas? But I want to give you some quick facts real quick. <laughs> Maybe a little reality. Guess what? God owns everything. He owns everything. So what in the world do you give a God who has everything? We're going to go to Psalms. Just really quick, I'm going to uh, read some verses. Psalms 50.10, for every beast of the forest is mine and every cattle up on the thousand hills. He owns it all, everything on a thousand hills. And Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He owns everything in it and every being in it. The Bible states also that without him was, was anything made that was not made, John 1 and 3. So every ounce of this universe, every atom, everything, it's all his. He doesn't need anything. That's the reality of it this morning. <clears throat> Since the day of creation, he's had, he created everything that he needed. There's nothing that he didn't create that he does not need. He is the self-sufficient one. He, is the all he has all knowledge. He has all power. He has all wisdom. So what do you bring someone who is the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, who's the beginning and the end, and who is the almighty? Please tell me what. 
but God, who sits on the throne, could possibly want or need. What do you give a God who has everything? Well, you see, in many regards, giving is the essence of Christianity today. We commonly say this is the season for giving, and so it is. Here we are, looking for gifts. Has anyone finished their Christmas shopping yet? Lord bless you. Still in that situation. But nearly $1 out of every $5 given annually to charity is in the month of December. The bells and the emotions of the season call and they pull at our heartstrings. The average household spends $1,000 on just gifts alone. That does not include charity, donations, party expenses, or travel costs. That is simply just the gifts that go underneath the tree. It's a common thread this season, giving. But I want to state today that for the Christian, giving is far more than simply the theme of Christmas. It's the essence of our spiritual identity. We are only here today because of a giver. Can I get an amen? The only reason I'm standing here today is because of the giver. We are only here because he gave his only begotten son. And for God so loved the world, in John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And just like Paul told the church in Ephesians, for by the grace you are saved through faith and not ourselves. It is the gift of God. And there, and is there really any gift that makes a Pentecostal more glad than Acts 2.38, that when Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And anyone that's experienced that gift can join with me and with Paul when he told the church at Corinth, Thanks be to God for that unspeakable gift. There's not even a way that you can put words in it. It's unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm so thankful, God, that he has given me that gift. Amen. Hallelujah. I say while salvation is glorious, wonderful, it's irreplaceable. In terms of living for God, his gifts just don't end there. As I live for Christ, he continues to give me treasures in my own hand that cannot be measured with the price tag. He gives me peace in the storm, joy in trials, direction in crisis, healing in sickness, and protection in danger, provision in times of need. He's given me shelter to run to. He's given me a name to call on, a word that I can trust, a rock to hide under, a refuge to depend on. And I want to testify today that he has been good to me. Has he been good? He's been good to me. And I'm so thankful. 2 Peter 1, 3, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. James 1.17. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture out there, but I really felt I wanted to talk about gifts. I want to talk about the giving, because what in the world do I bring to the altar? What in the world? Sometimes, can I, you know, anyone relate? But sometimes you walk in these doors and you feel so, what do I have to bring? Who am I? 
Why am I here? What can I give to God who has everything? So I hope that this encourages you today, <clears throat> that every good and perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He is a giver. So if I'm going to be like him, I must be a giver. I must give him something for Christmas. I must give him something on a day-to-day -day basis. When we talk about giving, some, oftentimes we panic. Don't worry. I'm not talking about your checkbook today. I am simply talking about just you. There is an old song, to be like Jesus, to be like him. But have we really thought that through? If I'm going to be like Jesus, I have to bring him something. I have to be a giver. I'm not encouraging you to spend more money at the mall or buy us any gifts here today. What I am suggesting that is the proper response to God's goodness is to give him a gift this Christmas. Now that I'm back to my topic, what do you give a God who has everything? Well, it's simple, really. It's you. It's me. Mariah Carey recorded a hit in 1991, All I Want for Christmas is You. It's a very familiar, all I, okay, no, all right. <laughs> but long before she sang one note of that song, Jesus already beat her to this thought. There is nothing he wants more to, than to wash away your sins, to fill you with that gift of the Holy Ghost that we spoke earlier in Acts 2.38, and to be in relationship with you while the whole earth is the Lord's. And us who live in it, he still gives you a choice. He still gives you a choice to decide who has control over your life. So I have bad news for you today. Usually we get up here and say, I have good news. Well, I have bad news for you today. Nobody can make you go to heaven. But I also have good news. No one can make you go to hell neither. No one's going to make you. No one's twisting your arm. It is a choice. It's a choice that we get. You hold that power in your hands, and you alone will decide if that treasure of your own life will be placed in his hands. And so in closing, I just want to remind you that he didn't come to be a God of complete vengeance and, you know, rip you by the ear and drag you to the altar. That's not what he desires. He wants a willing heart. He wants you to come at your own will. It's that incense. When you come at your own will, that's what he desires. You see, everything else, everything else is commanded to worship him. But you, you get to choose to worship him. And that's the greatest gift that you can give him. It's not about the wise men, the star, the shepherds, even the candles, cookies, or lights. It's all about the good news that the angel delivered on that silent night. And the angel said unto them, in Luke 10, chapter 2, verse 10, fear not. It's a very familiar scripture. Fear not. So I'm here to encourage you that no matter what life is doing to you right now or how bad it looks or how you felt when you walked in those doors, he still wants you. He still wants you. And he says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you this day in the city of David is a Savior. It's a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And as this baby grew, he did amazing things. He healed, but he didn't come first to be a healer. 
He taught people, but he didn't come first just to teach you. He provided for people, but he didn't come to be just your provider. He made his purpose very clear in Luke 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man is to come to seek and to save. He came to seek you. He's going to find you. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to give that gift of yourself. He came to save you. He came to be your Savior. He wants you to choose him, to give yourself away. All he asks is that you take that gift and you place it under the tree. And if you'll throw up that picture I have that I sent. You say, God has a tree, Karen? Yes. The cross. Sometimes, a lot of times, we associate the cross with Easter. But also, it's valuable in this time and in this season. Because from the very first step, from the very first moment, from the very first breath, of God's life, it all pointed to this. It all pointed to the cross. He came to save you. He came to deliver you. He came to free you. He didn't come to teach neat little lessons about mustard seeds or fish and loaves. No, he came knowing all the time that every step he took brought him one day closer to that cross. Here I am. Here I am. He came and paid the price for you so that one day you could be here listening to this poor, poor old girl from Texas say he wants you. What is the gift you can give a God who has everything? It's you. It's you. He wants the broken you, the insecure you. He wants the shattered you, the burned out you. He wants it all. He wants the surrendered you. He wants every part. Every part. So I want today and every day that I have breath in my lungs to take my life and I want to lay it at the cross and I want to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I desire to give you my life. It's just a little. It's just all I have is to just give you just myself. Seems so little when he paid it all. When he paid it all, Is anyone here willing to give themselves to the God of the universe? Will you choose him today? Will you choose him today? He wants you. He's seeking for you. Will you just lift your hands with me real quick and just pray? Lord, I feel your presence here. Lord, we surrender to you. I feel you reaching for me, and I want to say, I want a relationship with you. I want to be in communion with you. I desire you to be in my life and to orchestrate every detail. Thank you for allowing me to choose. Thank you, Lord, for your saving grace and your mercy that is everlasting. For your promise to be my Savior, oh God. For the promise to be with you for eternity, oh Lord, I choose to give you. My all today, hallelujah, 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 Lord, we worship you in this house, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the word that you've spoken, that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the ability and the gift that you've given us to give back to you. We give you the gift of our life, Jesus. We give you the gift of who we are, every part of us. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now. Connor, if you would just keep that same slide up there. 
giving yourself to God is not strictly just a, a theoretical abstract thing. You know, you hear in, in mainstream Christianity, you'll hear in churches all over the world that, well, if you just accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you know, that's, that's what you got to do. But in reality, giving yourself goes much, much deeper than that. Giving of yourself involves much, much more than just saying with your lips, I identify as a Christian. There's more to it. There's more to it. God intended it for it to be deeper. So thank you. Thank you, Karen, for teaching us. Thank you for speaking to us here this morning. I have to say, I, I don't normally um, start out with much preliminary, but today I kind of feel like it's, I feel to say, you know, I feel to say something, I suppose, that, that I would be um, in omission. I would be neglecting a blessing if I didn't. So I just wanted to give, and I don't do this every time, but I just wanted to give honor to pastor. It's evident that this pastor, this leader, he has a vision for the kingdom. And it's not just for his kingdom in, in this church, but he has a vision for the kingdom of God. And it's evident, you know, it could, it could be that he's a gift from God, perhaps. He certainly is an answered prayer for my wife and I, literally an answered prayer. The leadership that he's provided, it's evident as he brings young ministers and mentors us and teaches us and moves us along, you know, into the ministry. I'm thankful today for you, Pastor. And I'm thankful for my wife, uh, Karen. I just want to say that. I want to give her honor, too, this morning. And I don't normally do this, but I'm going to today. I can't. Amen. I love her, too. I know. I can't imagine being side by side with anybody else as we walk forward and figure out, you know, ministry and, and what's next and what's happening and what God's doing. I can't imagine doing it with anybody else. So I'm thankful that she's along this journey with me today. Amen. Now, like I said, giving yourself to God is more than just accepting him. It's realizing that he's accepted you. It's responding to the call of a savior and it's putting action behind your faith. That response is an action behind the faith that God is real and he's called me, but I must act on that. I must put something behind the faith that I have and the belief that I have in him. So this love, this God, it's real, it's tangible, and it's actionable. You've, you've given him your heart. You, you've said it. Lord, you can have my heart. You can have all of me. You've said these things. You've voiced these things. But how do you express that level of giving? How do you express that gift to God? In your weakness, in my weakness, in my, in my smallness. Think about the grandeur of all creation and how insignificant I as a vessel am in the light of who God is. And despite that, he, he wants something from us. He values something from us. So I will repeat the question, what could I, what could you possibly offer a God who has everything? What could you do to demonstrate the gift of you? It's your worship. You give him your worship. And that's the answer here in this place today. You give him your worship. There's much more you can give over to the God, your submission, your loyalty, your fealty. But you demonstrate your gift in the worship that you bring the Father. 
you demonstrate your gift in the worship that you bring before his altar, in the worship that you lift up to his name whenever we sing songs and sing praises. It's more than just music, but it's worship. It's a part of you that you're imparting back to the king saying, this is who I am, and I give it back to you in my worship. And he responds, and he sees that, and he takes notice. But before we go forward, I will say that I think it's been about 20 minutes already, and I will not be long, I promise. Um, in fact, a song comes to mind. It was the Sunday morning before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was anxious to go about their holiday plans. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> this is a new version. This is, a, this is the Oak Park version. We sometimes rewrite our songs around here. I'm certain that we're all perfectly content and we're not thinking about, you know, our last minute shopping today. We're not thinking about the groceries that we're going to have to get and contend with the, you know, the crowds of Richmond, Indiana as they flock, you know, the doors of Walmart and Aldi, you know, the day before Christmas. I'm sure we're not worried about any of that right now. I'm sure we're solely focused on the Lord in this place. I can speak prophetically. Amen. Amen. But I will not be long. I do want to express this other gift of immense value that you can give to a God who has everything. You can give him the gift of your worship. Now we say that God can do anything, and I know what we mean by that. You know, God can do anything. He can move mountains. He can do it all. But I want to express some things that God will not do. First, God will not lie. Hebrews 6 and 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Another thing, God will not change. He says in Malachi, for I am the Lord, I change not. Another thing, God will not break a promise. He says in Psalms, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. And God will not annul his law. He says again in Psalms, the psalmist says, The work of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. And they are done in righteousness. Another thing God will not do, he will not despise a truly repentant heart. He won't turn it away. The psalmist said, A broken and a contrite spirit, O God, thou will not despise. And finally, along that same vein, I want to say that God will not force you to worship him. He desires from you the free will gift of your worship. This God is all sufficient, and he has relegated a gift into our hands that we hold on to. With self-determining power, we can give it or we can hold it. We have that choice. Just, just like Sister Karen said, we have a choice today. Imagine that is a gift from God that he's given us. A gift from God that he's given me to hold in my hands the power of choice. To choose to worship him. He's relegated this to us. And so we have a choice to give it or not. Our devotion our allegiance, our worship to him. Please understand that with us or without us, God will be worshipped. Yes, 
he will be worshipped. Have you ever heard the song that says, Never shall the rocks cry out in my place. He's worthy of all my praise. Right? Isaiah 6, Revelation 4, Revelation 7. The list goes on in the scriptures that there are angels that do not cease to worship him. Day and night, night and day. Elements of creation do not cease to give him praise. Psalm 148, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, the heavens of heavens and the waters above the heavens. Let the praise of the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. You see, he created everything to give him praise. And the psalm goes on. He also stabilized them forever and ever, and he made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and ye deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains, all hills, fruitful trees, all cedars, beasts, all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. The list of things that praise our Lord is vast and it goes on and it says that his praise is continually flowing from all of creation. So what can I do as part of his creation to give a gift back to him is to join my voice and praise. Amen? Amen. But like I said, they all do that because they were made that way. They are commanded to, and they obey the command. And they don't have the power of will. All of creation does not have the power of will that we hold in our hands. You and I, we have a choice. And when we come into this place and we place our worship at his feet, when we give him the gift of our love and our lavish praise, we are giving God something that he can't find anywhere else. He can look in the extent of creation, but he will not find the gift that he desires from you. He finds it in this place. He finds it in, in this place. He finds it inside of you. You're a vessel. And he looks inside of you for this thing of immense value. And he can't find it anywhere else. And so, we are the only creatures that will be able to give this gift to him. We're the only creatures that have the ability the power to lay our worship at his feet. We're the only ones, the only thing in all of creation that can do this of our own free will. You better believe when you've had a rough go of it and you walk into a church anyway and you lift up your hands in worship, you better believe that God takes notice. You know, he's going to tune out all of the hills. He's going to tune out the crashing seas. He's going to tune out, you know, the waving branches of the trees all over the earth. The innumerable stars in the sky. He's not going to see those things. No, he's going to get... He's going to get focused on what you're doing. He's going to say, my child is giving me worship, and I am focused on that because this is what I've been looking for. This is what I desire. I desire this gift of worship today, this season, every day, forever, he says. I desire this thing. I value this thing. I value you, he says. The God of creation, he values you. Above the rest of creation, he values the worship that we can give him. You may be going through a hard time, but you can give God what he wants today. You can give him a heart that loves him. You can give him a spirit that is surrendered to him. You can give him, you can be a vessel that worships him freely. You can worship the very name of our God. You can give him something. The God that has everything, you have something to give.
you have worship. This means so much more than just making noise in church. Praise is great. Singing songs of salvation, clapping our hands, you know, as the scripture states, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout. It says shout with the voice of triumph. But worship, worship is a place much deeper than your hand claps. Worship is a place much deeper. Worship is a place of surrender. Worship is a place where you proclaim to the Lord, I will serve you in the good and the bad. I will serve you when I don't think that my prayers are answered like the way I imagined they should have been answered. I will serve you when I feel all alone. I will worship you when my dreams are shattered. I will worship you when my mind is troubled. When my heart hurts, I will give you praise. You can't praise a God that you don't serve. Sorry, you can praise a God that you don't serve. You can praise him from a distance, but you can't worship a God that you don't serve. You, you can praise a God that you don't trust. You can praise him. You can recognize his greatness. The demons tremble in fear before him. They recognize his greatness, but you cannot worship a God that you don't trust. You can praise a God that you don't submit to, but you cannot worship him that way. You can praise a God that you don't obey, but you cannot worship a God that you don't obey. Worship involves the death of your desires. Worship involves the death of your plans and your will and your dreams. It involves giving everything over to a God. The good, the bad, the ugly, just like she says, the victories, the failures, the stains, all of it. He desires all of it today. Every bit of it, every part of who you are. He sees it and he values it. He sees your past journey. He sees the decisions that you've made. He sees the decisions that I've made and the places that I've been and the places that you've been. And he says, I will use those things for my glory. He says, I will use every part of you. I desire every part of you. I'm not going to turn a blind eye, he says, to the stains of the past. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to those things that you consider unrighteousness. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to those things. No, I'm going to turn you around and make you perfect and use every bit of it because our life is a testimony of the goodness of God. So whenever you turn around, when he turns you around and he sends you back out to reach out for somebody else, he says, take every part of you as your testimony and tell them what I've done for you. Tell them what I brought you out of so they know that I am the God of salvation and I can bring them out too. He says, all of you I desire and I intend to use it for my glory. Amen. Worship involves making it past the gates of thanksgiving and the courts of praise. Worship involves stepping into the holy of holies. Worship involves trusting in God's character. You see in the book of Genesis, you see Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain. And you see him, and he's thinking he's going to have to sacrifice his son. He's thinking, oh, the Lord's asked me to give over my firstborn, my my, well, technically secondborn, but his promised firstborn, you know, that he's going to be the father of many nations, and God's given him this gift. And here he is. You have Abraham, and he's taking him. And he says, the Lord's asked me to sacrifice him. And what does Abraham say? Listen, listen to his words. He says, I and the lad go yonder to worship. Abraham says, I and the lad go yonder to worship. Abraham, I would say, trusted in the character of God. Enough so that he acted according to God's word. I'm sure he didn't reason through the request. I'm sure he didn't come to a conclusion that satisfied his human logic. In fact, it was said in this very pulpit just a few Sundays ago that human logic 
human logic defies faith. I believe that's what you said, brother. Human, human reasoning defies faith. We can't reason through it. That's a powerful word, and I did listen to it remotely. I'm sad I couldn't be here, but I did enjoy your word, brother. Human reasoning defies faith. If I could reason through what God's asking me to do, if I can reason through the way that I feel right now and try to connect that to the command and the call to give him worship anyway, I don't know that I would find reasoning that would fit into the box of what I could comprehend. Because God is greater. He's higher. I can't imagine just exactly he goes about his ways and makes my path straight. I can't imagine just how he goes about changing my perspective. I can't imagine just how he goes about making me a new man continually, daily. In fact, there's a promise on my life that it just came to me. I mean, I know this promise. It's not a new promise. But it's come back to my remembrance. And before I say this, I want to say that I believe every preacher, every speaker, every minister that comes to this pulpit, I believe that you're hearing, when you hear the voice of the preacher, you are hearing a personal revelation. I don't believe that anyone who comes to this place is parroting something else that they've heard. I don't believe anyone who comes to this place is just repeating something without having lived it and understand it. I believe that what you're hearing today is a personal revelation. And so when I say that, I want to say this. I know that God has given me a promise. He told me. He said, you're not going to be the same man you were yesterday. I remember specifically getting this word from God and Really, you know, I thought I understood. I thought I understood what that meant. Yeah, you're going to change me. You're going to make me better. But as time goes on, this was many years ago that I got this promise. As time goes on, this promise, it comes back to me. It comes, it comes back to remembrance. At times such as this, when I'm not thinking about it, and God speaks it right back into me, and he says, you're not going to be the same that you were yesterday. It tells me that he's going to continue to work on me. It tells me that he's going to continue to bring me closer and closer and closer to a life of righteousness. I can never achieve it on my own. You can never achieve it on your own. But God will continue to draw you nearer and nearer to him. But I can't comprehend just how he does it. I can't comprehend just how my desires suddenly change and they're lined up with his. How I think I want something, but suddenly I find myself in a place of worship, and, and all the things of the world, they grow strangely dim, as the song says, you know, and I find myself lined up with the desires of God, and I don't know how I chose those things, and I don't know how he shifted me around to make me follow that path of righteousness, but he does somehow, and he does it for you just as he does it for me. It doesn't make sense, and human reasoning cannot comprehend the work of God. Amen? Amen? And so Abraham, he trusted in the character of God. You see him, and I can imagine the, I can imagine the pit in his stomach as he's envisioning what's going to happen next. I can imagine the grief that's gripping his heart as he holds this little child by the hand and he says, Come, son, let us go yonder to worship the Lord. And he knows that God's called for his sacrifice. And he says, Come, son, let's go. And he knows what comes next. And yet, he still trusts in the character of God. And as Isaac asked, Dad, where's the sacrifice? You see Abraham building this altar. You see him stacking up 
preparing for a fire, and his son says, what's happening, Dad? I don't understand. Where's the sacrifice? In the words of Abraham, he says, God will provide. He says, God will provide. And so you see, Abraham is prepared to execute the command of God. But deep down, he knows God will provide. And somehow, these things, they almost seem incompatible. It's like, what's that word, dichotomy? You know, on the one hand, he's prepared to sacrifice his son. But on the other hand, he says, I know God will provide. God will stay my hand. But he doesn't say, what if he doesn't stay my hand? Am I going to, at the last second, pull the knife away? The scripture doesn't record that line of reasoning. And I imagine that Abraham's reasoning in that moment couldn't fully comprehend God and his plan for him. Amen. Nonetheless, he trusted in his character. So I challenge somebody today, in the midst of your most difficult thing, in the midst of a day that is dark and that is broken, give God what he wants. Give God your worship. Give God your worship in this place. Pour out anything that you have that, that, you, that you feel him calling and pulling on you, that you feel him saying, I desire that, I desire this, I desire you to turn that over to me, whether it's a hardship whether it's financial struggles, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a word that you feel you need to share with a brother or a sister, I challenge you to give it to God and let him use it. And I'm closing. I'm coming to a close really fast here. Worship has a price tag on it. It's never cheap. It's never cheap. Oh, and it's never easy. It always costs something to worship. Therefore, it is a gift of value. Now praise, praise is easier. The right song comes along and we clap our hands, we tap our foot, you know, we wave our hands in the air. We can do that to music, but worship, it costs something a little bit more. And it goes further than just what you feel and experience here in this house. It goes further than that. It's a life submitted to God. It's something more that he wants. Young people. I challenge you. Eight months from now, you're going to be standing in a stadium in the middle of St. Louis, Missouri. You're going to be at NAYC, and you're going to be surrounded by loud music. You're going to be surrounded by perfectly executed worship. Voices will be singing. Hands will be clapping. Tens of thousands of like-minded individuals are all going to be lifting up praise in that place. And I challenge you in that moment of high-spirited praise, don't forget to worship don't forget to surrender amen saints and visitors when you come in you have the stain of dried tears on your cheeks when your heart kept you up the night before say that I'm going to worship him anyway when I have a challenge before me that I can't quite figure out how am I going to survive worship him anyway place at the feet of the Lord what he wants most out of your life. He can get praise from the trees when they wave their branches. He can get praise from the ocean when the waves crash into the shore. But he really only gets worship from you when you choose to place it at his feet. So what do you give a God who has everything? You give him worship. When the devil thinks he has you beat, you give him worship. 
when it doesn't make any sense, you give him worship. When there's been more tears than smiles, when there's been more defeat than there has been victory, you give him worship anyway. So I say, take a step of faith today. Get out of your seat. Get out of that old place of comfort. Because whenever you walk towards this altar, you're signaling to God. You're signaling to him. You're saying, I am prepared to give you worship anyway. So this altar is open to give him worship. When you step out of your place, you are signaling, saying, Lord, here I am. And I trust in your character. And right now, I'm not thinking about that home that I'm going to go back to. Right now, I'm not thinking about that financial trouble that's waiting for me when I leave this place. Right now, I'm not thinking about that struggle with that family member. I'm not thinking about what my mom is going to think when I get home. I'm not thinking about what my sister or what my brother is going to say to me when I get back. I'm not thinking about what my friends are going to say. I'm thinking about you, Lord, and you alone. You're telling them you don't know what comes next. Trust him to respond. You trust his response. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we lift up our worship to you in this house, Jesus. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. You are worthy, Jesus, to be praised. You are worthy, Lord. I come before you now and surrender. Surrender something to him. You know what it is. Surrender something to him. It's on your mind right now. He's calling. He's drawing it out of you. Surrender it to Him. Hallelujah. Shabbat